It's Wednesday, July 3rd. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into the latest numbers in the 2020 presidential race. We'll connect the dots on which candidates are leading in campaign fundraising and what those numbers mean at this stage of the game. Then, the Department of Homeland Security watchdog released a scathing report on the conditions at migrant detention centers. We'll give you the details. And finally, tomorrow is the 4th of July. And you know what that means, lots of hot dogs. We're here to make your Wednesday smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about money and the 2020 presidential race. Every quarter, each candidate has to tell the Federal Election Commission how much cash they raked in. This latest quarter ended at the end of June, so at the beginning of this week. Candidates have until July 15th to hand in their numbers, but some are already trying to show us the receipts. So today we're going to get into what the big numbers you may be seeing today actually mean, why they matter, and how candidates are trying to kick off Q3 with a bang. Let's start off with the big winner of Q2. President Trump, he announced yesterday that his campaign and political action committees raised $54 million. Combined with the money the Republican National Committees brought in, that's a total of $105 million. Both of those numbers are significantly higher than what President Obama and the Democratic National Committee made during the same period in 2011. Trump's Q2 numbers are also significantly higher than the Democrats who've announced their total so far. The leader of the pack right now is Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who was basically an unknown at the beginning of the year. In the second quarter, his campaign raised almost $25 million. A bit behind him is former Vice President Joe Biden. He only entered the race at the end of April, but his campaign announced today that he's raised $21.5 million in the last two months. And then there's Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. His campaign says he raised $18 million, which is about the same amount he raised in the first quarter when he was the top earner. We haven't heard from many other Dems, so there could still be a competition for the top spot. California Senator Kamala Harris announced that her campaign raised $2 million in the 24 hours after the primary debate alone. And former Texas Congressman Beto O'Rourke says he still doesn't know. So why does this matter? Well, if somebody is willing to donate money to a candidate's campaign, it's generally acknowledged that means they support the candidate. So more money equals more support. But there's a limit on how much donors can give. And candidates like to highlight their smaller donations because it shows that donors are interested in them and could give more money throughout the election before they reach their cap. By that smaller donor measure, Trump's re-election is looking pretty good. And his money will probably last longer since he won't have to do as much spending during the primary season while the Dems are battling it out. He can save his money and then spend big during the general election. But of course, money doesn't always make you popular. Back in 2016, Trump didn't have a ton of money. He had to donate $66 million of his own money to keep the campaign running. Former Florida Governor Jeb Bush was the most funded Republican candidate during that primary race, but it didn't help him get very far. These numbers mean a lot for the Democrats, though, particularly the number of donors rather than the amount of money. Democrats are still in primary mode, so they only get a spot on the debate stage if they have campaign donations from a certain number of people. In the June and July debates, they need 65,000 different donors. For the third debate in September, they'll need 130,000 different donors. 
Julian Castro is already putting out ads calling for help to reach that 130K mark. So the 2020 candidates will likely be busy trying to make bank this summer, and they're getting right to business this holiday weekend. The Democratic candidates will be making their rounds for the holiday, with several making stops and hitting fundraisers in Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada, the first states to hold primary elections next year. O'Rourke is making it a family vacation. Harris is barbecuing. And Buttigieg is heading to the beach. Make money and maybe get some sun. Meanwhile, back in D.C., Trump is planning a 4th of July extravaganza to beat all other celebrations. The Capitol's annual parade, concert, and fireworks will be joined by a military flyover, a display of military tanks, and a speech by Trump at the Lincoln Memorial. Critics say Trump is turning the 4th of July celebration in the nation's capital into a campaign rally at the taxpayer's expense. Though, we still don't know how much the whole thing is going to cost. The last president to make an appearance during these festivities was Harry Truman in 1951. But supporters say, why shouldn't the president be allowed to speak? The U.S. is only going to turn 243 once. So, what's the skim? Campaign donations are a BFD for any candidate. But presidential candidates in 2020 have a lot to prove in order to convince people to donate. The race for the Democratic nomination started early, and this is the first time nearly all the candidates in the race have to report numbers. But just because the candidates are ready to go doesn't mean the rest of the country is. A new poll from CNBC this week shows that a majority of Americans say they won't donate to any of the 2020 presidential campaigns. And only 8% of Americans have given money so far. Yesterday, a federal judge said that migrants who cross the U.S. border and are seeking asylum can't be held in detention centers indefinitely. This is being seen as a pretty big defeat for the Trump administration. But it's a little complicated, so let's back up. When people illegally cross the U.S.-Mexico border and seek asylum, first, they usually have to pass a credibility test. Then they get a court hearing for an immigration judge to decide whether their case is for real. But in recent years, the system has gotten pretty backed up, and those asylum seekers could wait for months or even years for that hearing, so they can ask to be released on bond while they wait. President Trump has been vocal about his dislike for that policy. It's a big, fat con job, folks. It's a big, fat con job. So in April, Attorney General Bill Barr issued an order to get rid of the release part, basically keeping asylum seekers in detention centers indefinitely. That rule was supposed to take effect in two weeks. Now, this federal judge has put a stop to that and said that those asylum seekers have a constitutional right to a bond hearing. The Trump administration is expected to appeal the decision, but the agency that would have kept those asylum seekers in detention, the Department of Homeland Security, is in a lot of trouble right now for housing conditions at detention centers. We've been talking a lot lately about the conditions in border facilities after lawyers and members of Congress visited Border Patrol facilities in West Texas and share their observations. Overcrowded cells, not enough food to eat, and improper hygiene. People sleeping in sleeping bags on concrete floors. Members of Congress weren't supposed to take video, but Texas Representative Joaquin Castro snuck some tape of him and other members talking to women held at one of the facilities.
Then yesterday afternoon, another bomb dropped. The DHS inspector general, who's like the internal watchdog of the DHS, released a strongly worded report. According to the report, inspectors visited Border Patrol facilities and ports of entry across the Rio Grande Valley last month. It's the busiest region in the country for illegal border crossings. And what they saw disturbed them. People didn't have access to showers. There wasn't enough food to go around. And the facilities were severely overcrowded. The report includes photos of people squeezed into cells so full that they're standing room only. In one picture, a man is holding a cardboard sign up to the window of the cell with the word help written on it. One senior manager they interviewed called the situation, quote, a ticking time bomb. The inspectors had to actually leave one facility because they were afraid their presence was making things worse. The IG said these conditions require, quote, immediate attention and action, and pose a risk to the health and safety of everyone involved, not just migrants, but also Border Patrol agents. This report isn't news to the DHS. They knew that facilities are at max capacity. They say they have plans to add more room at some tent facilities to try and improve conditions, and that they're working on expanding medical services. But it's not clear what other action the administration is expected to take. Already, the conditions have attracted a lot of attention and outrage from the public, and from advocacy organizations like the ACLU. But now there is this new report and new photos from the government showing how bad it really is. If you've been scrolling through Instagram or Twitter lately, you might have seen a new pair of shoes from Nike scheduled to come out this week, 4th of July week. You might have also seen that those shoes have stirred up some controversy. So, the shoes. They're red, white, and blue. And each one has a flag on the back. Specifically, the flag that Betsy Ross made for the Continental Congress in the 1770s. You know the one. It's got 13 stars in a circle and 13 stripes. As soon as the company put out the pictures, people started to push back. Here's why. The Betsy Ross flag has been used by some hate groups to glorify an era of slavery. For example, the KKK passed out many Betsy Ross flags at an event in New York as recently as 2018. NFL star and activist Colin Kaepernick, who made waves for kneeling during the national anthem a few years back, and who Nike has since featured in a major ad campaign, reportedly got in touch with Nike to tell them, hey, maybe don't sell a symbol of white supremacy. The shoes were slated to go on sale later this week, but Nike has decided to pull them. So you won't be seeing them on the shelves. Before we go today, we've got some fun facts coming to you from 4th of July celebrations across the nation. Turns out that the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council is a thing. And it estimates that throughout the U.S. tomorrow, people will eat about 150 million hot dogs. Hot dog eating contests are also a thing. And if you take the challenge seriously, you can head to Nathan's famous 4th of July International Hot Dog Eating Contest in Coney Island. Joey Chestnut, the defending 11-time champ, is aiming to beat his own world record of 74 hot dogs in 10 minutes. So that's one way to celebrate. But you know, fireworks are cool too. 
And that's all for Skim This. Just a heads up, we're taking the rest of the week off for the 4th of July holiday, but we will be back in your ears on Monday, July 8th. That's also when our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, will be back in your inbox. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. And for more Skim, you can get premium content by downloading our app or learn more at theskim.com. 